Hi, welcome to My Favorite Neighbors. This is Sis. And this is Squirt. Get comfy. So, we know it's been a really long time since we recorded. Probably a year? Close to really long time, but in our defense, we have been setting up house and organizing and decorating and life has just been crazy. Super busy. Like, really, really super busy. But... But on the plus side, I became an awesome upcycler and I have reused some crazy stuff. Okay. Just Zach, saying. Zach's on rule. They're never going to be able to see any of this stuff. So, like, I'm why are we going to plug there for upcycling? Okay, fine. Upcycling is a good thing. Yes. So, is free cycling <laughs> and reusing and all of that stuff. Wonderful yeah. idea. What we are going to do, just a little programming note, is we're going to try to, instead of doing this weekly and then falling off the bandwagon as we have been doing, we're going to aim for doing this twice a month. <laughs> so, hopefully, you will get two new podcasts a month. Uh, that's about all we can maybe promise. Yes. Um, yeah. But there may be some blogs, blog posts blog, yes. intermittent between there. So, you know, our RSS feed won't be totally dead. Right. So, given that it's been a year, we felt we probably needed to update you on some of the things that you might have been curious about and left hanging, including uh, Squirt, you... Did you finish War and Peace? I did finish War and Peace, yes. <laughs> okay, what? now given that you read one of the longest tomes mm-hmm. of American literature, English literature, literature Russian, as a whole? Russian, Russian liter- literature. But like, where did, I mean, do the Russians like care about it as much as Americans do? I think they probably care about it more than Americans. It's all about Russian history. Okay, well then fine. Then one of the biggest tomes of literature mm-hmm. as a whole, global literature. Yeah. What are you, what were your thoughts? <sighs> okay, so... Here's my thing on War and Peace. I start reading War and Peace and, you know, my version is pictures. And <laughs> I like, I was, I was. Did they help? Did they, did they no. help explain anything? No, not at all. Oh. No, not at all. Um, one is that I think, unfortunately, I had a poor translation. Because, <laughs> like, with War and Peace, it, it was originally written in Russian. Right. And I like to believe that Tolstoy, because I almost always call him Dostoevsky. Yes. <laughs> but I like to believe that Tolstoy was a very good Russian writer. Mm-hmm. However, whatever translation I got made him sound like an idiot. <laughs> like, there were all of these really short sentences that weren't very descriptive mm-hmm. about anything. Mm-hmm. And it is sometimes it was like reading a children's book. Like, he turned left, and then the cat died. That being said, I kind of followed along with the plot in the story. And if I came to my conclusion that, one, the... The war scenes are boring. It's just a whole bunch of, there were 99 cannons, and they fired, and then there were 66 muskets, and they fired. Now, I have to ask you, because of course you're a girl, Mm -hmm. but in your book club there are two guys. Uh Did the guys find the war scenes boring as well? Well, they had different translations. They did. So than maybe I their did. translations were better. So maybe they were better. And then men cannot write female characters. Mm. They can't. I mean, Tolstoy. That's inflammatory. He, well, what you're it saying? is. <laughs> like, his female characters are so one dimensional and so just trite and useless. And I get it. They're, they're in the book and they're characters. They're mm. not real people mm. by any means of the term. But they just. No 14 year old girl would say. But they said, and I don't care what time frame you're in, and no 25-year-old woman is thinking that way. Like, mm-hmm. And you can tell it's because they really don't understand the psyche, and it wasn't really necessary for them to. You're just supposed to know that this girl's good, that girl's bad, 
this girl is confused. I mean, that's all you really needed to know. But when you're reading these characters, I'm trying to find a character that I can sink my teeth into, and none of them are female. Mm. Um, and there are a couple male characters that you kind of sink your teeth into. Like, one of my favorite... He is my favorite character, but he's, like, the least... One of the least likable characters okay. is this character, Pierre. Mm-hmm. He's just, like, a dunce. And he just teeters his way through life really just bounces off of people oh my gosh just the biggest like i just imagine he has a page boy mushroom haircut Uh with big circular coke bottle glasses and a huge belly and just is kind of like dirty really what happens he stumbles into a fortune he then decides he's just gonna have a tour of the war like literally gets in a carriage packs his bag like i'm going on vacation to the battlefield (laughs) who does that who does and he's just such a a doofus Mm -hmm. like across the board but he became one of my favorite characters but of course it's a male character Mm -hmm. and then there are two freaking epilogues and like why too? Yeah. The first epilogue, it's like you read this whole entire book about war and peace, and you're figuring all this stuff out. You get the first epilogue, and it's all philosophy. Mm. Whoever gives who power? Why does this one man have power and this other man not have power? Mm-hmm. And you're like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Like, why didn't you put this in the beginning of the book? And then it would have skewed the way I read it, right? Because then I would have, I wouldn't have tried to read it like a story of these four families. I would have read it as an interesting study on who has power and who and doesn't power have power. Dynamics exactly, because yeah. you read the back of the book and it says it's a story of families during the war. Right. The second epilogue is kind of more of an actual epilogue where it wraps up the characters. Right. I will stand on my principle about things, but like I just don't think men don't write books that I like to read. Okay, but in, okay, in defense of some of the male mm-hmm. writers, which I know there are some that write surreptitiously as women, and mm-hmm. like no one ever knows until they're outed. Mm-hmm. You read an old guy's writing. I did. Like, I mean, it's like I don't expect Tolstoy to write yeah. women well. I don't expect Dickens to write women well. Mm-mm. You know, mm-hmm. and like, I even Shakespeare, who I love. Mm-hmm didn't always write women that well yeah. like he wrote them well when he needed them to be good and then other times they were just scenery yeah but i think then what you're saying maybe has a timeline i'm just it's trying possible. To, it's possible i'm trying to pull it back from like we hate all male writers no i don't hate all male. no i like male writers for certain things for certain things i do i like male writers for mysteries mm-hmm. i like male writers for kind of espionage type drama in books but i've yet to read a male writer who's written a story about human relationships right. that is good. Um, for the that, women or just in general? Uh, well, almost. I feel like if women like it, it'll be good in general. Okay. But, like, it's good for women. Mm-hmm. Like, that women are kind of like, wow, they really captured this dynamic of relationships. Oh. Even inter-male relationships. The only book... Yeah, no. <laughs> Like, a lot of times books, they'll do relationships, but it's still circled around only one character. Where, but where the book is about the family or the relationship, it's not necessarily about one person. Mm-hmm. I've, I haven't read one yet. So when you all finished War and Peace, did you all just all take a break? Or did you move on to another book? We or? did. We jumped right into... The exciting and fun-loving and mislabeled romantic book, Wuthering Heights. Uh I don't know where they get romance from, 
but it is one of the most. It is emotional. It's very emotional. It's not a romance. It's not. Well, it. It's not. No, no. They don't call it romance. They love, call it a love story. There's no. It's an abusive relationship, <laughs> detailed over the course of twenty years. I actually okay. So I've never read War and Peace. I have no inclination uh-huh. to read War and Peace. I did actually try to read Wuthering Heights. Uh-huh. Um, I feel it was maybe a year ago. Actually, I think it was right when you were trying starting to read War and Peace. Okay, I was trying to read Wuthering Heights. I didn't know it was going to uh-huh. be your book club book. Um, and then I got like seventy five percent of the way through, and I was like, I don't want to read this anymore. Yeah. But I want to know what happened. So then I rented the movie. Yeah. And I watched the movie, and I was like, Yeah, I'm glad I didn't have to finish yeah. this. This is a horrible, abusive relationship. Heathcliff is not healthy. Please do not let any young person read this book and think that this is obsessive love. No! Like, but I think it's the same sort of love story, and you and I both have the same ideas about this, as like Great Gatsby. Like, everybody's like, it's a timeless love story of enduring passion, and you're just like, not really. Yeah. I feel Great Gatsby and Wuthering Heights go hand in hand, Mm -hmm. in terms of how they're marketed, marketed, mm-hmm. taught, mm-hmm. Um, but as like love stories, stories mm-hmm. of great and unfolding passion. Mm-hmm. But really, when you read them, you're just like, this isn't. No, this, this isn't good. It's not healthy. But for I, any but of the, the one thing I have to say is that I did get sucked into Weathering Heights, unlike how I got sucked into Tolstoy, which I think is partially due to the translation. But the I can't remember which Bronte it is. But she wrote really well, and it was Charlotte. Okay, and so descriptive, and you get this amazing feeling of the bleakness and the cold Mm -hmm. and the wet Mm -hmm. and the just darkness of these British moors and the undercurrent of sorrow that everybody has. And in, I I mean, I got sucked into that world. I definitely enjoyed, you know, that part of it. And it was, it was a compelling story. And I was impressed that, that the um, housekeeper managed to be able to remember everything to oh narrate my God. it that yeah. well to everybody. But then in the book that I had had footnotes, mm-hmm. and um, once again, this is another book that I read on the Kindle, which mm-hmm. is a very different reading experience for me. But it had footnotes, and in the footnotes, it described a lot of the lives of the Brontes. Mm-hmm. And because the other woman in my book club with me, we were just both talking about how suddenly women have babies. it's like there's no talk at all there's this one huge scene where Catherine is just going crazy which by the way I just wanted to smack her I was like girl grow up Mm -hmm. but she's going crazy and she's you know not doing well and then the next thing you know she had a baby and you're like how come there's no mention in the previous chapters that she was pregnant but then when you read the life of the Brontes and how kind of horrible their life was and how sheltered they were they probably really didn't know anything about sex Mm -hmm. or how babies were made and they just did appear Mm -hmm. like people went away and then there was a baby. Yeah. I did actually get invested in the characters that were that were in this book. I wasn't necessarily invested in Heathcliff and Catherine, but the second Catherine I kind of was. And, right. you know, you kind of get invested in the guy who rented the house. I was kind of invested in him. And I think, to be fair, I think that is the part of the story that they didn't create in the movie. Because mm-hmm. the movie just sort of ends with, not spoilers for a mm-hmm. really old book, the death of Heathcliff. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to that part in the book. I think that is the part that I needed to have gotten to to actually enjoy it. Maybe. There's not really a whole lot in there, but the book ends with kind of the death of Heathcliff. Okay, because, like, the movie ends... I I have a very distinct memory of the end of the movie, Mm because I was very happy it was Mm -hmm. the end of the movie, of the young Catherine and then the young... What is his name? Linton. Linton. Just sort of running around on the moors. Uh Uh-huh. 
And like, and then the credits roll over mm-hmm. it on the version that I had. And I was just like, if there was, you could tell that like there was an affinity mm-hmm. between the two of them, and there was something like they both understood loss and mm-hmm. disappointment and hardship and and anger and mm-hmm. you know, but and and but they also had a hope. But that's truly where it ends. If there's any more that's like written about it, I think that might be. You really there, the fact that they have that. Um, to the young Catherine and, and I think it's maybe his name is Harrington Harrington or something like that okay. whatever his name is the fact that they have a relationship mm-hmm. is just like hinted at mm. all the way through and mm-hmm. you kind of you kind of semi are rooting for them but they're also not very nice characters and that, right. was, that was the other thing too this is what gets me about this book it's like like every single new character that they meet I feel like it's just so horrible mm-hmm. like these characters are terrible to each other. I was like, do they never meet a nice person in their lives? Apparently not. Apparently it's just so isolated yeah. and so... And then I have a... Ch- it's a change of topic, but I feel the same way about every every single adult in the TV series, The Tomorrow People. I was just thinking, like, did I read any books that I would want to tell people about? And I was just like... I Well, I just finished one book, which is the third in the series by Sarah McLean called The Rules of Scoundrels, mm-hmm. which is fun, actually. It's very, very fun. Mm-hmm. She previously wrote a series that was numeric. And so it was nine rules to break when romancing a rake, Mm -hmm. ten rules to Mm -hmm. something when being adored Mm -hmm. by a lord, and eleven blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. Some rhyme with Mm eleven. And in nine rules... Did you read those? I read those. Nine rules I loved. Mm -hmm. And I loved it, actually, I got it from the library, but Mm -hmm. it was one of those things where I loved it so much that Mm -hmm. I then got it on my Kindle, and Mm -hmm. then I even went back and bought a paperback. Wow. Like, I just, I really loved that story mm. she she really kind of broke my heart a little bit in the mm. story but in like a good way in mm. like the best way of a romance novel mm. and i was just like this woman understands her her character in nine rules is she's not plain but she's not gorgeous mm-hmm. and so she's in that sort of middle ground of pretty mm-hmm. and you know she's not uber slim and she's mm-hmm. not uber fat so she's just pretty and mm-hmm. essentially she's gotten passed over like two seasons mm-hmm. and she's out again for a third season and she's like I deserve better than this mm-hmm. I want more than this I want I want to experience life I'm, I'm curious mm-hmm. I'm interested and so she goes about she essentially writes a list of all the things she wants to experience mm-hmm. and so she's like I want to smoke a cigarette mm-hmm. or I want to go have a drink at a, at a bar mm-hmm. and, this, and in that process so she of course maddens and then of course falls in love with a lord rake a rake mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i just in reading it she just wrote it so beautifully and so truthfully mm-hmm. for a person that could kind of understand what it's like to just be just the pretty girl mm-hmm. you know and that's i really loved how she wrote that the number 10 and the number 11 didn't strike me as deeply but they mm-hmm. were both good mm-hmm. and and then when she restarted with her rules of scoundrels mm-hmm. her first book was a rogue by any other name mm-hmm. and it was a little bit of a similar character with the the nine mm-hmm. like just a woman who was very pretty but she'd mm-hmm. been passed over mm-hmm. all these different seasons but the second book in the rule of scoundrels is the one that just grabbed my heart because mm-hmm. she was a little scientist mm-hmm. and she was just so odd and mm-hmm. she was so logical mm-hmm. but you know, she was like what is this thing that I'm supposed to be entering into? Mm-hmm. She's like, I don't understand why we do this. And then, of course, she infuriates mm-hmm. and then falls in love with a guy. Mm-hmm. So then she, the Sarah McLean's just released the third book. Mm-hmm. The, the characters are uh, um, 
are contained by a, a club. They all okay. run a gaming hell. Okay. And so, you know, we worked our way through the club. But then she in, installed this twist, which I kind of want to say, but I don't want to mm-mm, say. Mm-mm. Okay. So she, but anyway, she installed this twist mm-hmm. at the end of this last book mm-hmm. that is so smart. Mm-hmm. It is really, really, really smart. Mm-hmm. And I just... Yeah, you know, like I remember Linda Holmes talking about Gone Girl mm-hmm. with Gillian Flynn, mm-hmm. and she was like, she, um, she had gotten to a point. I guess she was reading it on a flight. She had gotten to a point about halfway through a book where something happens in the book, and she didn't want to tell anybody what it was, mm-hmm. and she just had to like close the book and hold it to her chest because mm-hmm. she was just like, I love what was just done to me, oh. and so like it was a, like I don't, I haven't read Gone Girl, mm-hmm. so I don't know what happened there but i do i i can actually say the exact same thing Mm -hmm. i love what just happened to me at the end of that third book because now i'm just like oh and so like i'm really looking forward to that and sarah mclean is a she's i think she's relatively new like i think she's had a few novellas i Mm -hmm. think the the scoundrel series would make like her seventh book but um she, you know, she's not like Susan Elizabeth Phillips mm-hmm. or Lisa Kleepas, um or Julia Quinn, which mm-hmm. are my favorite novelists. But, uh, yeah, she's she's a lot of fun. Oh. Is she? I'm on the fence about Gone Girl. I'm sorry. I mean, I guess I'm on the fence about Gone Girl because I was just so burned by the girl with the dragon tattoo. Just so burned by it. Everyone I know who was, like, raving about mm-hmm. Gone Girl were the same people who raved about dragon tattoo. And when I read the back of Gone Girl, I was like, I don't want to read this. This I doesn't know. sound that interesting to me when I'm reading just the, you know, know, synopsis. And neither did Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Right. And then I was right. So. <laughs> I'm still curious about Gone Girl. I'm I'm not in the mood to pick up anything too heavy. But I, I am so curious about Gone Girl. Yeah. And I actually really do want to read it. Mm-hmm. If you want to continue any of the conversations that we've started here, you can follow us at My Fave Neighbors on Twitter or through our blog, which is myfavoriteneighbors.blogspot.com. This is Sis. And this is Squirt. Thanks for stopping by. You'll You'll know us when when you see see us. us.